Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is a guy that's always cutting glass with his fingernails, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Oh, it's just so satisfying. The is it though? shards under your nails. Mm-mm-mm. <laughs> Don't people, like, get all like, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Or fingernails on glass. Yeah, but who cares? Who cares what they think? What the fuck is wrong with you, though? You're going around your house and just breaking all your glass and stuff. Screech! Yeah, a monster. <laughs> Kids are like, no, please stop, Dad! <laughs> this is the only thing that makes me feel alive. <laughs> so how are you doing today, Brandon? Uh, I'm doing okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Did you do anything sweet this week? No, my life pretty much consists of counting down the days until Cyberpunk 2077 comes out. Which is when, may I ask? It's next Thursday of as of this recording, but by the I time everyone hears this, it'll be out. I don't know about and that And then this one, podcast Brandon. is over. Is it coming out for PS5? Uh, you can play it on a PS5. <laughs> oh, okay. Week. I'm not interested in cyberpunk, unfortunately. I never really like cyberpunk stuff. What do you like, Cortland? Hmm. What's nothing. your dream game? My dream game? Yeah. Uh, I don't. I think that Harry Potter uh, open world sounds sounds fun. <laughs> sounds fun isn't the same as a dream game. Fine. I don't have a dream game. Uh, I don't know. I like th- theater rhythm. I like Tetris. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun with Tetris. Tetris uh, is dope. It is. So how have you been, Cortland? Um, I've been doing fine, Um, I guess. This week has been a lot, but that's fine. Yeah, sometimes weeks are a lot. I ordered something from GameStop for Black Friday, and they delivered it, and it's on its way. And then a couple of days after I ordered that, I ordered something else from GameStop. And that has mm-hmm. already arrived, like three days ago and my original package hasn't arrived yet and it's making me really mad (sighs) that's uh that's why they're gonna go out of business i know well besides the fact that like people you know download games now (sighs) get your shit together gamestop you have two customers yes you have to appease them and you can take care of them a little bit it's annoying if it's not here today, I'm not sure what I'm going to do because uh, my son's birthday is on Sunday. And uh, as far as I know from Harry Potter, there's no post on Sunday. So mm-hmm. it needs to be here. It needs to be here either today or tomorrow because we're, we're recording on a Friday right now. Yeah. IOUs aren't a great present. Yeah, I know, right? Especially for a six-year-old, he's going to be like, the fuck? <laughs> if he says that, make sure to get it on video. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'll be... <laughs> I'll be one of those horrible parents recording his reaction while he gets a disappointing <laughs> Just look at you straight birthday. straight in the face and be like, the fuck, Dad? Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyway, do you want to talk about some Are You Afraid of the Dark? I could. Okay. Well, we just got done watching uh, The Tale of Stone Maiden, he is. Uh, what'd you think of this episode, Brandon? I want to know what you think I thought of this episode. Mm. Well, if you're like me, I think you loved the first half of it. And about the 15, 16 marker, minute marker, you thought it was kind of eh. That's pretty spot on. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's how I thought of it. So Yeah. yeah. We're usually pretty synced up. So <laughs> It was pretty good. It's not not the greatest. This is a Kristen story. Oh, yeah, right? Yes, definitely. I will say, um, what I had originally thought it was, was, uh, you know, the statue looks at you and you turn into stone or whatever. Um, somebody does turn into stone in this. It's not, it's not from looking at the statue, because, like, fucking everybody just looks right at the statue. But, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, I guess, and that's okay. And it wasn't bad. It was just kind of a Kristen story. It's really the best way to put it. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it, it could have gone another way and it would have been more interesting and it could have potentially had a bad ending, but it doesn't. Spoilers. So. Yeah. They try to shove in a bit too much. There's like eight characters in this episode. There's kind of a lot. Yeah. There's actually kind of a lot going on. I'm going to be talking about like fucking actors just all the time in this episode because there's, there's literally, there's like seven or eight of them. <laughs> Hold on, there's three groups of two, 
plus two more plus another one. So yeah, there's nine characters I'm going to be talking about in this episode. Yeah. There's three A A tier characters and yeah. some B characters and some C's and some D's. Yeah, it's got a range, a range of characters, and it's it's a lot. Um, I was happy to say that not like everybody was talking all the time. Of course, I did do my notes to the, this time over a course of a couple of days, and uh, it didn't feel like it took me forever to do them. So, are you ready to get into it? Yeah, let's just talk about it. All right. So our episode opens up with Quinn walking down the path with wood in his arms, and he says, Okay, from now on, whoever gets here late has to lug the firewood for a month. Uh, that's everybody, all the time. I feel like he's specifically digging at Megan, because she's been late the most out of everybody. Oh, Not really, except though. Except that one time. Yeah, Tucker did roll up on that fucking sweet-ass motorcycle, <laughs> but aside from that. <laughs> and who was it that um Tucker was like, oh, if they're late, I'll tell the story? That was Quinn. I think, Quinn was was late. Qu- I think it was Quinn. He's always <laughs> late from getting in trouble. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Quinn needs to shut his mouth. <laughs> yeah, joke's on you, asshole. You're carrying <laughs> sticks for a month. Well, he oh, throws shit. the firewood down near the fire, and Andy gets up out of his chair saying that she's not even late yet. And Vance says from the couch, oh, she will be. And she turns her head to look at her watch saying, in five seconds, Megan gets a month of hard labor. Five. Four. <laughs> three. Two. And then we see Megan walk down the trail with a bag saying, sorry guys, this was way heavier than I thought. And so getting out here took that forever. makes it even more annoying that she made it right on the dot. Yeah. But he's already angry at her, even though she's not even late. Yeah, like, that he's is He's mad annoying. because he's early. Stop coming early, dude. Yeah, well, I was always told if you're not 15 minutes early, you're fucking late. Okay, well, this ain't a job interview. This is story time. <laughs> <laughs> well, Vance sighs, saying, "Ugh, one second shorter forever." And Tucker walks up to Megan, who says, "Huh?" And Tucker grabs a bag, telling her not to worry about it, and asks her what she got. That's a kid's cue to get comfortable, so they disperse as Megan tells Tucker to put it over by the throne. He does as he says, and she says that she's got a story about artists and the amazing things that they create. And she reaches down into the bag and she pulls out this huge ass rock that's like the size of her fucking head. And we cut over to Quinn, who looks around saying, that's pretty low on the amazing scale. Megan's all, but it isn't. And she stands up saying, to us, this is just a hunk of marble. But to an artist, there's a beautiful creation inside waiting to be released. And she hands that stone to Andy, who says, yeah, this could turn out to be anything. And he looks around like he just said, like, the most interesting (laughs) thing in the world. They're all going to look at him and be like, wow, Andy, that's brilliant. (laughs) You are so poignant, Andy. You have a sweet soul, but nobody cares. (laughs) Back with Megan, who's sitting at the throne again, she says, It's the same with a blank piece of paper or an empty canvas. It's the vision of the artist that turns a piece of nothing into something special. So she brought this heavy-ass rock when she could have just brought a piece of paper and made the same exact point. Yeah. Yup. (laughs) That's what my story is about. When an artist creates something, they put so much thought and care, so much of themselves into it. It's almost as if they're giving their work life, and where there's life, there's emotion. What if a statue could be happy or sad, or lonely, or even angry? Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story... The Tale of the Stone Maiden. This episode's pretty much just about a girl that takes pictures, and uh, she likes a boy. (laughs) That's pretty much the main story. from that description... I was entirely expecting this to be about an episode where a statue, like, comes alive and walks around. That would have been pretty cool, but no, that's not. Our episode opens up with some lush scenery in in a forest, and we pan over and we see a nice stone statue of a girl, and it's given some water to a guy, and it's very serene, and the shots of it are really cool, like, there's a bunch of angles and stuff, and then all of that's interrupted by some dudes that are prying the boy away from the statue and hauling it away and they leave the maiden portion of the statue there and they leave yeah i was very confused by this Mm. and i still am a little bit confused by it are you confused by the fact that they sold half of a statue that they had to pry (laughs) off of it like yes it's really dumb it's very dumb (laughs) nobody would buy half of a statue no it would look like shit now they both look like shit. I think it would have been more interesting if, uh, like, a natural disaster caused them to break apart or something. Oh, then you can't really put it back together. 
No, I guess not, but this is just stupid. Yes, it is. It's stupid just because nobody would buy half a statue. <laughs> like, can you imagine them being like, oh, fuck, we only have enough money for half a statue? Like, yeah. get the hell out of Some here. Some park, like, hey, look around, ask around, see if anybody's selling half a statue. <laughs> we like this statue, but this maiden is so hideous. How much is this statue? A hundred dollars. Well, I have fifty. <laughs> we cut, and now we're watching some kids playing volleyball. <laughs> They're smacking the ball and all that. Looks like fun. One team scores, and they all hug, and they shake hands, and that that was a great game. And the main kid is in this gray sweatshirt, and his name is Kevin. And he says that the dynamic duo strikes again. And he holds the hand of his girlfriend, Julie, saying, Alright, we got lucky. There's some more shit talk and laughing, and the kids all stop by a bench to get their things. And Kevin says that he's dying of thirst. And asks, who wants the soda? And the other couple, whose names are Donald and Sandra, even though they never tell us that. Yeah. They say that they'll they'll get them since they lost. And Kevin's all, it's okay, dog. We're not spoiled winners. It's on us. And Julie says that she'll go too. And Kevin gets in one last joke saying that those two friends can use that time to practice. And Julie adds in that they mean for volleyball. And Sandra laughs at them. What's the implication there? Smooching. Smooching? Smooching, yeah. Okay. Okay. We got a couple of kids to meet, so you want to do that? Yeah, let's meet some kids. Alright, first up, we got Kevin. He is played by Jeff Saumier. And Jeff has been in exactly four things. Oh. Which are The Kid in 1997, The Incredible Adventures of Marco Polo on His Journeys to the Ends of the Earth in 1998, The Secret Pact in 99, and then this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark in 2000. This was the last thing? Yeah. Wow. Just went off on a high note. Well, you can't get much higher than a Canadian horror kids show, right? Right. Julie is played by Tara Vanessa. And in her IMDb page, I don't know if she changed her last name or something, but she cut out a couple of vowels or something, so it's like V-Nessa now. Maybe there was another Tara Vanessa. I don't think there are. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a good stage name. (laughs) Nah. Tara's been in a couple of other things like Goosebumps, Animorphs, the TV movie Too Young to Be a Dad, Anonymous Rex. (laughs) Whoa. Uh Uh-huh, and Wrong Turn 4, which I... I've never seen a Wrong Turn movie, but I don't know. Are they popular? I don't know. There was four of them. Uh, I think there might be more than four, actually. Julie's friend Sandra, Sandy, is played by Maggie Castle, who was in Nico the Last Unicorn. that's a stage name. (laughs) Maggie Castle. Hell yeah. Well, Maggie was in Nico the Last Unicorn, which has Alicia Cuthbert in it, as well as a billion other Are You Afraid of the Dark members. She was also the voice of Molly McDonald and Arthur. <laughs> and she was in Time Traveler's Wife and Super Troopers 2. The other friend, Donald, is played by Ryan Best. How about at that stage name, hmm? Eh, it's no Frank Scorpion. I know. Mm, Brandon, don't spoil things. <laughs> I may or may not be talking about Frank Scorpion later. Anyway, Ryan Best, he's been in five things. One episode of The Mystery Files of Shelby Woo. An episode of Student Bodies. This episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark, something called Stay Cool, and a short called Closing Time. That's a strong filmography. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is that everybody is a legend so far. (laughs) Okay, let's get back to the show. Don't worry, we'll be meeting a whole lot more people. We cut with Kevin and Julie, and they're kind of running around, playing with each other, and Julie's got her camera, and she snaps some pics of Kevin, who's making stupid faces and whatnot. She's eating this shit up. She's giggling, and Kevin runs up telling her that that's enough pictures. But she says, no, one more. So she puts the camera down on the bench and sets it to take a picture. And we cut over to some bushes, and we get a first-person shot of the kids as if somebody's watching them. Creepy. It is creepy. Back with Julie and Kevin, they get in position, and the moment before the camera goes off, Kevin rushes in with a smooch on the cheek. In the background, you can see a man is watching them. Julie's all, hey! And then the man runs away, rustling the bushes, so the kids turn to look, and they're asking, what the fuck was that? And Kevin tells her, it's nothing, and then he wants to go. But Julie stops him, saying, wait, I want to talk to you. And Kevin mocks that a little, saying, "Uh uh-oh, sounds serious. 
So they walk over to the bench and Julie looks at him asking if they're having some dinner with their parents tonight. And Kevin's all, oh yeah. My dad, I forgot, my dad had to go out of town on business and my mom's having friends over, so. And Julie looks away from him kind of sad and Kevin asks her, what's up? And Julie thinks that it's kind of weird that she hasn't met his parents yet on account of they've been together for three months now. Wow. If Kevin knows what's good for her, he will never introduce his parents to anybody. <laughs> Kevin assures her that she'll meet them and it just has to be the right time. And Julie crosses her arm asking why. And Kevin tells her, well, they're not used to people like you. And she asks what that means. And he sighs saying, that came out wrong. Uh, it's just that you're so straight, you know? They don't get the artsy type. And Julie explodes a little saying, what? It's like I got an eye in the middle of my forehead or something. Kevin calmly tells her not to overreact, and Julia overreacts, yelling that she's not overreacting, and that it's serious. Well, when someone tells you not to overreact, your only action you can take is to overreact. Every time, yeah. Don't tell me not to overreact. I'll overreact the hell out of this. Julie thinks that Kevin's ashamed of her or something, and Kevin Mm -hmm. tells her that he isn't, and that she's just different. What? Let me ask you, you, Cortland. Is Kevin an asshole? Yeah, a little bit. I don't... Okay, so I'm going to spoil a little bit here. Kevin's parents, they make an appearance in this episode, and they may be the worst parents in Are You Afraid of the Dark History, in my opinion. Yeah, Kevin's parents are dog shit, so... I don't think uh, Kevin's being mean here. Like, Julie shouldn't want to meet her parents. That's not something that, like, a 14-year-old girl wants. She, like... I don't know. She's just playing serious relationship. Yeah, and it's only been three months. She saw in a magazine that that's what you do. But yeah, his parents are garbage. But from Kevin's perspective, he's probably trying to protect her from their garbageness. Yeah. But also, he does seem a little bit ashamed. Oh, yeah. I feel like he is too. He's like, it's cool, baby. We can just hang out together, but. Let's not hang out in public or <laughs> tell anybody we're dating. I don't know if it's that bad. <laughs> but, like, he wants to protect her feelings from their crappy parents. And I guess it, un- like, it makes sense to me that if he's grown up with these asshole parents that he is going to be at least a little bit of an asshole himself. I mean, nature versus nurture or whatever you want to call it. He could also just tell her that his parents suck. Yeah, that's what I would have done. I, I mean, shit. I would have told her right away, like, oh, you want to date me? Okay, my parents are horrible, so you probably won't be meeting them for a while. So all of this culminates with Julie just, like, being tired of this shit and feeling like she isn't good enough for him. And she decides that maybe it's time that they take a, take a time out and they figure out where they're going. And Kevin gets pissed saying, if this is how you feel, then fine, but this isn't my choice. And he starts walking away and she yells that it isn't her choice either. Even though it was just her choice. Mm, I mean, it's both their choice. She's the one that suggested it. She's like, fine, if you don't want to have me meet your parents, then let's just break up. He's the one that hates her. Yeah. Alright, I guess I understand. But she's the one that suggested it, so I don't want to hear you be like, let's break up. And then he's like, fine, I guess if you want. And she's like, no, I chose nothing. This isn't my (laughs) fault. Like, like, shut up, Julie. (laughs) Julie slowly walks back to her camera and we cut to Kevin walking in the woods and he looks around for a minute and it looks like he's lost, which is like impossible. I mean, he's been in the woods for like three seconds. He's like not even out of view of Julie. (laughs) Where am I? (laughs) So he walks down a random path past a stone bench saying, okay, could things get any worse? And he takes a seat at the bench and then he looks over at the stone maiden statue. So he walks up to it and looks into her face And then the jug that she's holding starts leaking. Mm -hmm. Now he looks up at her and says thanks. And then he starts washing his hands in the water and then his neck. And finally. Now remember when he said he was like dying of thirst like half an hour ago? No. Okay. He said that, you know, after the volleyball game he was thirsty and he wanted to go get some sodas. He scoops some of that water up and he drinks it. Which is just a really fucking stupid idea. Yeah. Like even if it doesn't kill you or turn you into some kind of statue that's still not a great idea this is how people get like elephantitis and stuff you know you get like fucking 
you drink water and there's bacteria or living, you know, prions and shit in there and they fuck your body up and then boom, you got elephantitis. <laughs> yeah, that's how it happens. That's science. Or, you know, you get like diarrhea like this kid does. <laughs> Which is just as bad. He spits that shit water out saying, I shouldn't have done that. And we hear some clanking in the woods and Kevin calls out for Julie a few times. And then he starts getting the diarrhea pains. He's clutching his stomach saying, oh, this is bad. And we get this first person shot of like whoever's watching those kids. And he's walking up on Kevin who yells, who you looking at? Back off, man. Back off. And he's stumbling backwards with his hands clutching his stomach. And then he starts running away. Yeah. The last thing you want when you're exploding diarrhea all over the place is an audience. <laughs> yeah, right? So far, I was like, I was into this story, you know? I was I was good with it. Like, the creepy stalker thing is, it was interesting, and him drinking the water was so stupid. I was into it. Yeah. Could have gone real dark from here. It could have. We cut back with Sandra and Donald, and Julie's there getting berated by Sandra about breaking up with Kevin, saying that they're made for each other. And Julie shrugs, saying, yeah, I thought so too, but Kevin doesn't. <laughs> Yep, he said that. <laughs> Up walks Donald, who says that Kevin's got to come back this way since his pack is still here. And Sandra then plans on going to look for him, saying that he's probably at the snack bar. But Donald stops her saying, what, for half an hour? And Julie tells the kids, no, I'll find him. And she picks up the backpack and walks away. And we cut over to another section of the park that's just full of people. And Donald and Sandra walk up saying that they can't find him. And then he must have gone home. Like, they walk up to Julie, who... Um, I thought it was just agreed that she was going to do this solo, but whatever. They just won't leave. I mean, given the situation, I wouldn't leave either, but come on. I she mean, just said. he's like, he was angry and he walked off. I wouldn't be like, oh, he must be murdered or. <laughs> My mind I wouldn't, always e- goes I wouldn't even murder. think anything was out of the ordinary. I'd just be like, whatever. He's blowing off some steam. He went for a walk. Yeah. Well, uh, he's got good friends. I mean, at least they check on him, I guess. I don't know. I don't feel like you would be like... He's ashamed of his be. friends, though. Well, they're named Donald and Sandra. They ask Julie what she wants to do, and she shakes her head and suggests that they leave. Sandra suggests that Julie calls him tonight now that she's cooled off, and Julie agrees, and the kids all leave. And we stay back for a second, and we get a look at some weird-looking homeless man, and then the scene fades. Now, Brandon... We are looking at the outside of an apartment complex called Cortine Apartments, which is the same apartments as the apartment complex in the tale of Apartment 214. Whoa, I did not notice that. Yes, it. I okay, I read the Cortine Apartments and I was like, that sounds really familiar. And I have the tale of uh, Apartment 214 on my computer already. So I opened it up and I scrolled a little bit ahead. It is the exact same shot of the apartment complex from Tale of 214. How fucking cool is that? Um, that's cool. I don't know if it might actually Saves just be lazy. a little bit of money. Yeah. It's, okay, it's not the exact same shot. Like, there's this filter on it, and, like, the people walking in the backgrounds are different. I think that, like, it's literally filmed, you know, however many years apart. But it's the same shot. It's the same apartment complex. So, All right. the ghost of Madeline is just still there. <laughs> yeah, she's hanging out somewhere. Because you know Stacy's bothering moved on somebody by else. Now. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> she got out of there as soon as she could. Yeah. But Madeline, she is still in the Cortine apartments. It was cool. I, I Like I said, I stopped it and I opened up 214 and it was like, this is the same fucking place. That's awesome. Anyways, we zip inside and Julie grabs her phone and she starts dialing. And a man picks it up and, and she says, Dr. Tyler, this is Julie Hart, Kevin's friend. And the man asks what he can do for her, and Julie asks if she can speak with Kevin. And we cut to the dad, who coldly asks if Kevin is with her. And Mom plops down on a chair, asking if it's Kevin on the phone, and wants to know where he is. And Dad tells her it's his little friend. Back Uh, over with Julie, she explains that they were at the park today. (laughs) I know, right? Every time you describe something, oh, it's little friend, or... Sarah, little friend. Anything little. You just add the word little in there, and all of a sudden... Yeah, it either turns it's really the shittiest cute thing, or it turns into an insult. I guess it depends on how you say it. Look at that little dog. <laughs> Look at that. That's my little dog. <laughs> oh, he's playing with his little dog. <laughs> Have fun with your little dog. Look at my little cell phone. 
spend all day on that little cell phone. Julie explains that they were at the park today, but he left before her. So dad asks if he said where he was going. Julie tells him no and asks if he's home. And mom asks, what's wrong? Everybody's just asking everything. Mom wants to know what's wrong, and dad silently shushes her and tells Julie that he isn't home and is very late. (laughs) Julie asks if Kevin could call her when he gets in, but dad tells her that Kevin will talk to her tomorrow. Julie says, okay, thanks, good night, and dad slams the phone down. So rude. It is, but you know what? The mom and dad, they don't really need to be in the story. They don't add anything. No, they really don't. You could cut most of these characters in in the story, actually. Cut Donald and Sandra, the mom and dad. Julie and Kevin. (laughs) Yep. We cut over to Julie's dark room, right? Because she's a photographer, I guess. And she's developing her pictures. And she sets down the one of Kevin smooching her. And she looks at it. And she sees the dude behind them watching. Then we zip over to the next day at school. Creepy. Yeah, right? See, this was was great. Yeah. Like, I was like, man, how dark is this going to get? Because this is the start of... You know, you hear someone was murdered, kids hanging down by the creek, and some vagrant came and killed them both. Yep. Zodiac shot him in the head while they were smooching. Fucking Zodiac. (laughs) But, uh, no, it's not that. Yeah. I mean, this is where I was like, this is going to get great. I'm going to like this episode. And I don't hate it, but yeah, they just, they went in a different direction, and that's fine. No, I'm going to tell you what I actually thought was going on. Okay. So, because I didn't know what the deal was with that statue, I thought somehow that this man that kept peeking out and just watching people was the statue, the half of the statue that got removed somehow came to life. And it's just this man, and it's basically Encino Man, but with a statue. And he's like, oh, what is real life? And they would have to be like, oh, this is people food. <laughs> but it's not that either. It could have almost been that. <laughs> it could have very easily. That would have been pretty fun. We don't get that, though. <laughs> no, another missed opportunity. Yeah. No, I didn't think of that, but that's good stuff. So we're at school, and Julie is sitting on a picnic table looking at that picture. And we get a first-person shot... Of somebody behind some bushes stalking her. <laughs> you just won't leave her alone. And yeah. It's not okay. No, like, at the park, it's like, alright, this is where you live, like, whatever, you're looking at kids. But when you start following them to school and shit, it's yeah. weird. It doesn't pay off either. It's not like, and this is why I was watching you. It's just like, no, I just like to watch. Yeah, it's weird. I like to watch. Up walks Sandra and Donald from, you know, the kids from earlier in the episode, and they ask if there's any news, but Julie tells him no, and it's like Kevin dropped off the face of the earth. No one's seen him. Sandra's sure that he's okay, but Julie's all, what if something happened to him? And Donald pipes in saying, heads up, it's the Tylers, and we see Kevin's mom and dad walking out of the school, and dad's consoling the mom because, you know, her kids fucking disappeared. And Julie sees them and runs up to them saying, Dr. and Mrs. Tyler, I'm Julie. And mom asks where her son is. Julie says that she didn't know. And mom starts to bitch out Julie saying that Kevin's not the same since he started hanging out with her. But dad stops her saying that she's not worth your time. And they start walking away. (laughs) They start walking away and Julie calls out, I want to find him as much as you do. And the parents dramatically turn to look at her for a few seconds. And then they walk away. And, uh, wow. (laughs) From behind a fence, we see that weird homeless dude again, and then he runs away. Next up, we're going to meet some more characters, if that's all right. But first, I want to talk about the mom and dad for a second, because holy shit, like, what assholes. They really hate artists. They looked at her like she was a lesser life form. Yeah. They took one look at her paint-covered overalls, and were just like, ugh. They could smell filth, the, the dark room on her. They were like, you're never going to get a job. Get your quirkiness away from me. <laughs> She's got braided hair a little bit. <laughs> Yuck. Small braids? I don't think so. All right. So we got a couple of characters here. Dr. Tyler and Kevin's father is played by Lorne Brast. He's been in a lot of TV shows like Bad Blood, Acceptable Risk, Plan B, and Blue Moon. Have I heard of most of those? No. Nope. Next up, there's Kevin's mom, Diane Tyler. She is played by Linda Smith. 
She's been in the show before. I know you didn't recognize her, so I'm just going to let you know, okay? Mm-hmm. She was in The Tale of the Twisted Claw, you know, the first episode. Okay, sure. She was also in the 2019 Pet Cemetery with our dear friend Frank Scorpion. Whoa. Who did yeah. she play? She played Frank Scorpion's husband. Wife. A.K.A. Rachel's mom. How fucking okay. sweet is that? I love it when Frank Scorpion makes his return. That's pretty cool. It is. Aside from that, she's currently in a show called Transplant from this year and a zombie movie in 1987 that looked horrible called Zombie Nightmare. Okay, so she's doing shit. Yeah, she's doing shit. She has done shit. And she is currently in this shit that we're talking about. So shit all over. <laughs> yeah. The homeless dude, or as he's later known as Henry, which isn't really a spoiler, I guess, is played by Martin Neufeld, who you might recognize as One-Eyed Jack from the Tale Prisoner's Past. I might. He's also a Nico the Last Unicorn. <laughs> of course. <laughs> With Alicia Cuthbert. I think I might have said that already, but yeah. Being an actor in Canada, man, it seems like you, you got your big dreams to be an actor, and you go to an agency and they're like, well, these are your three choices. You got Arthur. You can be an Arthur. You can yep. be in The Littlest Hobo. <laughs> Let's be That's honest, it. I choose the Littlest Hobo. You know what? I think when I had talked to Amanda Walsh, I don't know if I kept it in or not, but she said that the Littlest Hobo is a story, is about, a, the Littlest Hobo itself is a dog, so what? she said she would have loved to have been in a Littlest Hobo. Well, I hope, I hope that happens for her someday. Yeah, um, the 2023 reboot of Littlest Hobo, please call Amanda Walsh, she would love to be in it. Back to the episode. Now we're at the park again, and we see Julie's there looking around. She hears noises from the forest, so she looks over that way, and out pops that fucking homeless dude. And he runs after her screaming. Yeah. Scary. It's crazy. So Julie screams and she runs away, but he (laughs) chases her into the woods. Eventually he runs off in another direction, and then pops up in front of her, yelling, Wait! And Julie yells to leave her alone, and the guy tells him that he won't hurt her, which is just what somebody would say. They were trying to hurt somebody. That is the thing you say before you murder someone. She asks what he wants, and the dude says that he knows where her friend is. And she's all, Kevin, where is he? And the guy says that he'll take her to him. And he goes and puts on this ridiculous backpack, and he tells her not to be afraid, and then runs away. And it's all really weird. Yeah, this whole thing. Julie follows, and he points, saying, there, see for yourself. And we look over and we see a stone statue of Kevin, who's still clutching his stomach in diarrhea pain. Could you imagine just having diarrhea for eternity? No, I couldn't. The spoilers, it seems like Kevin can hear what's going on around him while he's a statue. Why do you say that? He says something at the end. Oh. I can't remember what it is, but it was like, oh, he knows what's going on. But that means that that. he's probably also clutching his stomach in pain that entire time and there's nothing he can do about it. He's just got that painful gas bubble, like, just there, you know? Yeah. Ugh, that would suck. I, I might not have caught it because I did my notes over a couple of days, so... Yeah, maybe it never even happened and I'm just making <laughs> things up. Well, we'll find out because I'm sure I got it written down. I like the statue, though. They did a great job on it. It looks pretty good. Julie looks at it for a while. She touches it and then she shakes her head saying, This isn't funny. And then asks who the guy is. And he says, Well, I'm the protector. I bring the message, and he holds up this little flag and says, we must follow the four R's, reduce, reuse, recycle, and recover. And I was just like, oh my god, this is a recycling episode. Yeah. (laughs) Julie scrunches up her face and yells, I saw you in the picture. You were watching us. Where's Kevin? And the protector points to the statue Kevin, saying, right there, that's him. He turned to stone. I saw it myself. Julie's all, yeah, right, and she starts to walk away, and he chases after her, telling her it's true, and that he, he, he drank the water, and, and then, it, well, it just happened. She's so quick to walk away. Like, I know in those circumstances, nobody would be like, well, of course he got turned into a statue, but, like, you would at least be like, well, why the hell is there a Kevin statue here? Yes. I'm at least a little curious about this Kevin statue. <laughs> Yeah, it has the same clothing on that he last was in. I mean, people can't turn to stone. But if you see a statue of your friend who's missing, you should be like, This is related somehow. I've heard of Medusa. Like, It is not a coincidence. Yeah. That he's gone and this is here. Julie walks back to statue Kevin and then looks at the protector calling him crazy. And the protector agrees that he mm-hmm. might be just mm-hmm. a little crazy, but he's telling the truth. 
and he saw who did it to him. And then he runs away, and we look at Statue of Kevin again. Over in another part of the forest, the protector leads Julie to the Stone Maiden statue, saying that he was right here. He took a drink, and then he looked sick. I tried to help him, but he just got up and he ran. And then you saw what happened. And he pantomimes Kevin like clutching his stomach with diarrhea. And Julie walks over to the Stone Maiden, looks up at its face, and then turns to the dude asking why he made up the story. And the guy says he didn't, and that the Stone Maiden did it to him, and it's her fault. And he wishes he didn't see it, but he did. And Julie looks down at a plaque that reads, The Stone Maiden by Vivian White. And the guy then asks her why he would lie. And Julie turns to look at him, then back to the statue. And we cut. Why would he lie? There's so many reasons. Is this the point where, like, the episode started to kind of go downhill for you? Yeah. Yeah, me too. You built up the stalker guy, like, in such a great way, and then he just turns out to be, like, the comedic relief of the episode, and it's just Here's kind of the thing. I'm disappointed in Henry's arc, or what his character turned out to be, but yeah. at the same time, in a completely separate way, I kind of like Henry in the second half of this one. If the build-up wasn't that he was this crazy stalker who's probably going to murder these children like he's just kind of a goofball that's you know he's okay yeah but it's the two the two together the first half and the second half don't work yep. i agree like he tries to brighten up the story and laugh and stuff and he does a good job because the guy's a good actor yeah he but is. it's just weird in this episode especially when he's like literally screaming and chasing after the character through the forest yeah because in this first person horror shot I never trusted him for even a second. <laughs> well, Julie does. <laughs> yeah. And he looks homeless. Like he not that being homeless is mean or evil or anything, but like he's dirty and I don't know. His hair is ridiculous. And he stalks them and chases them screaming and, and yeah. has statues of her missing friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's what? a lot of a lot of red flags. Yeah. These are the kind of people that your parents warn you not to be alone with. <laughs> Well, now we're inside a huge building, and Julie and the Protector, a.k.a. Henry, round a corner to see a big 864 painted on a door. And Julie stops and sighs and says, I don't know who's nuttier, me or you. And the Protector kind of laughs, saying, well, that, that would be me. <laughs> and then runs after Julie. I don't really know what the significance of the 864 painted on the door are, aside from maybe just showing that she's an artist. I thought the same thing. It was prominent enough that I thought it probably had to mean something. It doesn't, though. Like, she's not like, oh, I'm Vivian 864 White, you know? I'm 864 years old. Nah, it's nothing interesting. Speaking of, I assumed these statues were older than they are. No, they're not really that old. No. That's a problem that I'm going to have in a minute here. Okay. Inside the room... There's a bunch of artsy stuff, and there's some sculptures and recycled stuff on pedestals. There's flowers. There's uh, records on strings from the ceiling. It, um, It's like a studio, I guess. I don't know. It looks fine. Yeah. Julie calls out, hello, is anyone there? And we hear a voice yell, can I help you? And out walks this woman with a blowtorch and a welder's mask. And Julie asks, Vivian White? My name is Julie, and this is... And she looks over at uh, the projector, and she says, what's your real name? And the dude's all, uh, I never tell. And Julie asks him to make an exception, and he quickly says Henry. And it's a really great, like, like what's your name, Henry? <laughs> like, I don't know. So Julie's like, and this is Henry. Look, I know this is going to sound completely ridiculous, but you know your statue in the park, the stone maiden? Well, Henry says it turned my boyfriend into a stone. And Vivian just takes off her mask and goggles, and Julie's like, look, I'm sorry, we'll go now. And she turns to leave, but Vivian calls out, wait. Turning people to stone is exactly what she does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some time passes, I guess, and we see Henry looking at Vivian's crap, and she's talking about how recycling is art, and that the shit's incredible, and Vivian tells them that she made the stone maiden years ago when she was depressed about not having any romance in her life, and she's still looking. She takes out a book saying that the legend of the stone maiden dates back to ancient Greece. It's a tragic romance about a young couple whose families didn't approve of their relationship, so rather than be torn apart, she found a potion that would turn both of them into stone. Their love was so strong that they chose to be together forever as statues rather than spend the rest of their lives apart. 
And then she says, oh, here, look, I based the statue on this very sketch. And we see a sketch of the statue and Julie pokes it saying, that's it. But who's that? And she points at the boy next to the, the stone maiden. And Vivian tells her that that's her young lover, of course. And Julie asks, why didn't you sculpt him too? And Vivian laughs at her saying that she did and then asks if they're talking about the same statue. And her line delivery here was like really good. She's like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Julie tells her, yeah, but the, the stone maiden statue's alone and there's no boy statue. And Vivian looks up confused and Henry shakes his head in agreement. Um, This whole stuff about like the maiden being ancient Greece and that has this lore to it and stuff. That part was pretty great. I thought they were going to do something with that. Yeah, that would have been cool. The part where this like ties into um, Julie and, and Kevin's situation about a tragic romance and they, they decide to turn to stone rather than have their family split them apart. I thought that was going to happen. <laughs> you thought Julie was going to turn to stone? Um, Yeah, I did. That would have been all right. I think that would have been like the dark ending that uh, could have happened. I, I mean, I guess, where Vivian's like, you know, Kevin's not turning back to normal, so she turns the stone with him. Mm-hmm. But that didn't, I mean, spoilers, that doesn't happen. We got a new character, though. You want to meet her? Yeah, who is this broad? Well, I feel like you probably recognize her, because she's been in a couple I of episodes. Did. Okay. <laughs> she's Kathleen Fee, who I think is a really, I said this back in Gruesome Gourmets, because she was in Gruesome Gourmets, and she was in Night Shift, and I said that she's got quite a range in Gruesome Gourmets, and I think her range just increased, like, even more in this episode. She's a treat. She's such a good actress. I like her. Like, her line deliveries and her um, mannerisms and her facial expressions and stuff are just really great in this episode. She's good. I'd hire her. When we do an Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast movie, I think we should call her up and we should hire her. She can play you. Oh, yeah. She'd do a better job. <laughs> Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your struggling artist. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show, whether you're a longtime fan or this is your first episode. We always appreciate you spending some time with us. This will be our last scheduled episode for 2020. We're taking next week off to get caught up on editing, so you can expect our next episode to release on January 5th. With the holiday season in full swing this week, we decided to take a short vacation from the show. I hope you understand. I will say that our next few episodes have some guests, so we hope that you'll enjoy our show when we return. If you just can't wait, our next episode is available right now for all patrons. Visit patreon.com slash private island and become a patron for as little as $1 a month. You'll get instant access to our early release episodes the moment I finish editing them. So you'll be able to enjoy Highway 13 now and the tale of the reanimator once I finish the editing. On top of that, higher tiers get more rewards, including stickers, bonus episodes, bloopers, and more. I hope you take a moment and check it out and become a patron today. I'll be working on an all-new Quick Fright soon, so stay tuned. I'd like to thank our current patrons, the Bronze Beth, Eddie, Mia, and Tristan, the Silver Goth, Shane, Steven, Matt, and Kaylee, the Golden Day Days, Bryce, Faith, Sarah, and Angela, and the Platinum Bostics, Kathy, Carly, and Evelyn. Thank you so much, everyone. Our show wouldn't be the same without you. We are going to be watching this episode, The Tale of the Stone Maiden, live on Instagram tonight. That's Tuesday, December 22nd at 8 p.m. Eastern. If you'd like to watch it live with us, as well as all the other fans, give us a follow on Instagram at Private Island Presents, and tune in tonight at 8. You can also take a look at the hundreds of GIFs, memes, videos, and so much more that we make every week. We create a ton of content for you to enjoy that really enhances the podcast. You can also find us on Twitter at PRVT Island, so give us a follow and join in on the conversation. For a quick link to all of our socials, the YouTube page, merch store, and more, check out the Linktree link in the episode description. I just released the supercut of our entire season six of Are You Afraid of the Dark in one minute on YouTube. So check it out if you missed any of the episodes, give it a thumbs up and subscribe. If you're enjoying the show, let someone know. Share us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or suggest us to your friends. You can give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser and help us rank higher on the charts. We just surpassed 30,000 downloads last week, and we love your feedback and seeing that number rise. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme dating start from Undertale composed by Topi Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork. For now, I'll let you get back to the episode. I'll talk to you in a few short weeks. Merry Christmas and happy holidays from the Up All Night Podcast.
Who's the Beaufort? Vivian is on a telephone call and she's yelling, No. No, you can't do that. I don't care what your reasons are. That's my work. I demand that you... Hello? Hello? And we hear that the line is disconnected on the other end. And she huffs and she yells, Bureaucrats. They hung up on me. And Julie asks what they said, and Vivian yells that they sold half of her statue to a park in New York to balance their budget. Which is ridiculous. I don't understand. <laughs> sold half what? a statue to balance the budget. Well, how does that balance a budget? <laughs> I, I thought balancing know. a budget was cutting things. I don't, I don't understand. I'd like to see the person in charge of the budget. The only thing we can get rid of is half. <laughs> half of Half of the Stone Maiden. I don't understand. Vivian hates that, though. She yells that that's like tearing apart the Mona Lisa for postcards, which is not. But Julie tells her, well, at least it still works. And Vivian asks what the hell she's talking about. And Julie's all at the water pump. At least they didn't break it. And Vivian tells her that there is no water pump in her statue. And Julie, who obviously just knows more about this artwork, notifies her that there is indeed a water pump. And it's a kind of the water flowing out of her vase. Yeah, she's adamant there's no pump, but she also didn't know that the statue was broken up and sold. That's true. Cut to another phone call. What do you mean you installed the water pump to balance the budget? <laughs> That's like putting a water pump in Michelangelo's David. <laughs> Vivian tells her that there ain't no goddamn water pump in her statue. And Henry butts in telling Vivian that Julie's right, that there was water and Kevin drank it. And that's when he turned to stone. Then he asks her if that's what happened in the legend, which brings up a good thing. Cause she just, when they met her, she was like turning people to stones. Exactly what my stone maiden does. So how does she turn people to stone? If there's not water pouring out of it, right? Yeah. Get your shit together, Vivian. Okay. I see through your fucking lies like it's Swiss cheese. Vivian's all, yeah, but it's just a story. And Henry throws up his hand saying, maybe, or maybe the statue doesn't like to be apart from her mate. If she gets him back, then maybe she'll let Kevin go. And Julie nods saying that they should put the statues back together. And now are you ready for the action of the episode? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we're in the last, like, home stretch. We're in, like, the seven-minute mark. Things are about to heat This up. is where everything happens. Culmination of all of everything we've seen just comes to a thrilling conclusion. We cut outside, and the gang is talking to some dude who's got a clipboard, so you know he's important. And he tells Vivian to fuck off, and the statue is on its way out. And Vivian yells at him, saying that it's just half a statue. She donated a whole statue to the park. And then she throws the agreement at him, because she's got, like, the paper agreement of her donation. And it says it clearly states that the statue cannot be cut up and sold piecemeal. I don't know what that well, means. Well, open and shut case. Exactly, right? You got these <laughs> legal documents that say we're not going to break the statue don't apart. Don't sell, sell to balance budget. <laughs> oh, but the guy, he says, he points saying, well, yeah, it can because there it goes. And we look over at a truck with a shape under a tarp and it's driving away. And some kind of action-y music starts playing as the gang gawks at the truck driving away. And then Julie bursts into life and she runs away. And she grabs a bicycle and she rides away with it as the bald jerk yells at her, Hey, that's my bike! Which is very unlikely. This man does not ride bicycle. Well, that bike rack is full. It's and full? that bike rack is in the parking lot of whatever the hell this place is. But, I don't know, is everyone biking to work there? Maybe that's a Canadian thing, but none of the bikes were locked up. Like, she just straight steals that bike. And he's like, my bike! Like, first of all, that man does not ride a bike. Second no. of all, the, too many bikes there. Third of all, like, why wouldn't you lock it up? I don't even... Whatever. Because it's Canada. Honor system, eh? <sighs> well, you know what? That jerk's name is Bob. Bob the Maintenance Man. He's played by Terrence Bowman, who played the gambler in Train Magic. We probably went over him there, and I'm sick of Who the of hell's the gambler? People. He was one of the patrons on the train. Okay. So, sure. let's move on. We're done with people. We got them all, finally. We see a group of kids walking right in front of that truck, forcing it to stop, which gives Julie the upper hand, and then she rides in front of it, and the truck squeals its tires somehow, even though that would be impossible since it's stopping in, like, a millimeter, but whatever. How the hell did she catch up to that truck, even with the stopping kids... Because it was only like five feet away because Bob, Vivian, and Henry are already running up on them. They didn't even have bicycles and they're like not even out of breath. That truck got like got, 10 meters away. 
Yeah, it was like literally right out the gate. <laughs> it had it to like, screech to a halt. Time to go to New York. Screech. Yes. Bob. Bob runs up on Julie, yelling that the dude in the truck could have killed her. And Julie pleads with Bob to not take the statue, but he tells her that shit's booked on a train to New York in twenty minutes, and it ain't gonna be late. And while that sentence is going on, the guy driving the truck exits it, and Henry gets inside of it. And Julie tries to explain that the statue never should have been sold in the first place and asks him to put it back, but Bob's got a signed order that says that the statue. But they're interrupted by squealing tires as Henry steals that fucking truck. (laughs) Uh, He's going to prison. Yeah, he just casually commits Grand Theft Auto. Like, no big deal. He's going to have a roof over his head, though. So, this this (laughs) sequence... For whatever reason, give me a free willy vibe. <laughs> Gotta return the statue to the sea. I haven't seen free willy in a very, very long time. Same. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Vivian and Julie chase after Henry, but Bob just stands there because he knows that he does not get paid enough for this shit. So you would think like something interesting or cool would happen. But we just jump right to the statue, and Henry is moving the boy statue into place when Bob runs up yelling for him to put it back in the truck. Even though that statue would be heavy as fuck. That's what I'm saying. He's just like, ah, just throw it up there. Yeah, he just threw it over his shoulders like and two hopped tons. off the truck bed. <laughs> I don't get it. I'm. They must have, like, opened the tailgate and then drove forward really fast and just launched the thing out of there like they wouldn't be able to get that out of the truck bed no but (laughs) they did (laughs) vivian moves to go and touch the water that's pouring out of the maiden's vase but henry tells her that she shouldn't drink it and bob tells the gang that they're just that they're gonna just take the statue half away again and vivian's all like oh no you ain't and she hands him the papers when out of nowhere comes kevin's mom and dad for some reason yeah that's when did she have time to call them yeah that's what i'm saying she just yelled it out the window as they drove by their house or something (laughs) i don't know we're going to turn statue kevin real (laughs) it's in the woods you know the woods (laughs) it's where the you gotta see the stone bench right past that (laughs) when you get to the trail with the leaves take a left the dad yells at Julie and wonders why they're out here, and Mom coldly asks where Kevin is. And Julie sighs, saying, look, I don't know how to say this, and I'm not even sure I understand myself, but we think something happened to Kevin because he drank the water from this fountain. And Mom screams, what? He's poisoned? No, Julie tells her, not, not exactly. really, and then Henry yells for her. And Julie turns around and helps place the statue where it originally was. And uh, the water slowly stops dripping from the jug, and Henry's all, He got her boyfriend back! This well's broken! And Julie runs off into the forest. Henry follows as the dad asks what the fu- where the fuck Kevin is. They all end up following Julie, who runs over to the statue Kevin, yelling for him. And he's still petrified in the diarrhea pains. And Julie yells, It didn't work! It was just a story! And Cranky Dad demands answers now! But Julie ignores that shit, telling Statue Kevin that she's sorry, and that she was wrong, and also she doesn't care what her his parents think of her, or of them together. We cut over to Mom and Dad, and Mom looks like she just got slapped. Julie starts touching Kevin's face, saying, I know we're different, but we belong together. I love you. Please, Kevin, come back to me. And she smooches Statue Kevin's cheek, and she backs up as he starts wiggling a little, and we get a CG effect of him turning back to normal, and it doesn't look terrible. No, it's probably the best effect we've seen in the last two seasons. Yeah, Uh, you know, the effects of Lunar Locust weren't that bad either. I think they might have gotten a bigger budget this season. I wanted the statue to, like, melt away from him, but he just kind of, like, morphs out of it. And, um, yeah, it, it really doesn't look bad. The crowd is all surprised with Kevin's mom fainting, and Henry hugs Vivian, and Julie yells, You're back! A dinosaur story. She runs and gives him a hug as he says, no, we're back. No, don't touch me. I've got diarrhea. (laughs) And Bob's all, well, this is uh, different. And we fade in time and Vivian is walking up to the stone maiden statue with the boy. And we look over at Julie and Kevin sitting on the bench. Julie's got a camera on a tripod and Vivian says, I'm not sure we'll ever understand what exactly happened here. Julie tells her, oh, I don't know. I think we learned that if two people are really made for each other, nothing shall ever keep them apart. Yeah, Julie. 
But that doesn't explain how a statue turned people to fucking stone. <laughs> Sometimes you just can't explain the life's mysteries, okay, Brandon? I need to know. No. Okay. Out from the forest walks Henry, and he finally took a fucking shower, so he doesn't look like shit. And he walks over to Vivian saying, ready? And she nods, and she turns to the kids saying, we're working on a new line of sculptures with an important message. And she takes Henry's arm, and they walk away from the kids. With the kids, Kevin asks, so, when do I meet your parents? As Julie sets up the camera to take a picture, Julie tells him, not yet, and snaps his pic. She then grabs Kevin's arm, and they walk over to get a selfie with that statue. And just before the camera clicks, Kevin and Julie smooch on the lips, and that's the end of the episode. What a sweet ending. Yeah, right? I actually like the ending. (laughs) Love conquers all. Yeah. Classic Kristen story. (sighs) Fuck off, Kristen. We got rid of you seasons ago. I got a problem with this story because the Stone Maiden statue isn't even an original Stone Maiden statue. It's a replica. Yeah, it's a magic replica. That's not that's not how replicas work. Oh, tell us how magical statues work, Cortland. They only work from the original, okay? You can't just oh. make a replica of well. the never-ending story and then every story that is replicated is the never-ending story, okay? Are you afraid of the dark has egg on its face? Overall... I didn't hate this episode. I thought it was... I, I liked the first half a lot better, is what I'm going to say. Yeah. And and that sucks, because I really liked um, Kathleen Fee's performance. She was my favorite character. She's great. Um, She's great. I like Henry well enough. Yeah. Uh, Julie's okay. Yeah. The mom and dad, they suck, but they acted pretty well. I think I everyone guess. did a good job acting in this episode. Yeah. And Kevin, you know... It's not terrible. Right. But all the people who are not stoned for most of the episode did a great job. I really think it's funny that um, Donald and Sandra weren't asked to come and find Kevin. Like, their friend is, like, for all they know, dead. And Julie didn't bother being like, yeah, he's a statue over here. (laughs) No. They're busy practicing. Oh, right. You know what I'm talking about? I'm two people practicing. I don't know if I have too much more to say about this story. No, I thought it was going to be a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, it would have been an interesting ending if Julie wasn't able to get Kevin back to normal, so she drank the water too, but... Yeah, that would have been interesting. But the ending that we got is fine. The second Megan story in a row for our episode order, and Mm. the last episode was a very dark ending, so... Maybe she just needed to mix it up. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. She didn't want to fucking ruin everybody's day again. All right, I'm going to ask you, do you remember what happens at the end of Encino Man? I've never seen Encino Man, Brandon. Are you serious? You talk about it all the time, and I just act like I've seen it and hope that you don't question it. God damn it. (laughs) Wow. I've been talking about Encino Man with you and being like, man, remember all these great scenes for 20 years. (laughs) Yes, literally. I and remember now... you talking about it with me like 18 years ago. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, I think at the end, he goes to the museum and like his girlfriend from a million years ago is there as like a statue and she comes back to life and then what? they're cavemen together. Okay. Anyway. Did you did you want that to happen? I mean, that's what happened. Yeah. So are you trying just... to tell me that this isn't Sino Man? <laughs> A little bit. <laughs> this is Are You Afraid of the Dark's ripoff of Encino Man. Yeah, Encino Man and Free Willy. <laughs> back at the Midnight Society, Megan says, So the Stone Maiden and her boyfriend got back together, where they were always meant to be, just like Julie and Kevin. Quinn thinks that was a good story. Vance says it was amazing, and Andy's all nice. Quinn smiles, saying, Now you gotta lug that rock back home. And Megan hauls that rock up saying, well, I was hoping one of you guys could help me. Tucker nopes the fuck out of there first, saying that he's already late. Jeez. He's taking after his brother Gary. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I love Sam, but you're shit, Sam. You're shit. Here's a story about how much you suck. You lost Kiki's sw- sweater, Sam. <laughs> you stupid Nobody idiot. you, Sam. Quinn dumps the water on the fire as Megan looks helplessly at the rest of them. Vange tells her that she would if she were stronger, but she's not, so she can't. Bye. And then she runs away. Quinn laughs a little, saying, yeah, right, and he walks away. 
Andy looks up at her saying, you know I'll help. And he gets up as Megan tells him that he's the best and hands him the rock. Then she says bye and she runs away. And Andy yells, hey, I said I would help. I didn't say I'd. And he stops. He picks up the backpack and he puts the rock in saying, from now on, the one who's the earliest has to collect the firewood for the month. All right. And that's the end of the episode. I like how Andy was like, I said I'd help take this. Not like it. Did they think did he think they were each going to take a side? Yes, I think he did think that (laughs) the entire way home with that rock. Yeah, they were going (laughs) to share the burden of carrying the rock. Yeah, that's not how it works, dude. Just drop the rock. Like, what is she going to do? Like, where's my rock? <laughs> they could have just left it there if nobody wanted to get it, get it later. It could have no, just been to... their decorative marble slab. <laughs> could have been somebody's seat. Yeah, right? I think it was big. <laughs> Vange could fit on that rock. <laughs> You're banished to the marble, Vange. What do you think the moral of the story is? Uh, Don't drink disgusting statue water yes don't drink stagnant water you find in the forest you idiot also when the homeless man runs at you screaming and you know tells you he knows what happened to your murdered friend like just go just go yeah, home. do not follow him Mm-mm. yeah and don't let him follow you home either <laughs> make sure he's not watching you maybe take a couple uh wrong turns on the way home so throw yes. him off take like four left turns or whatever I think the main moral of the story is the four R's. Reduce, reuse, recycle, and reconstruct, or whatever the last one was. Remix. Yeah. (laughs) Those are it, though. Yeah, don't follow strangers, don't drink shit water, and recycle. All good lessons to learn. The Tale of the Stone Maiden. I like that name. I like it a lot. I mean, it's the name of the statue. It could have been the Tale of the Stone Maiden by Vivian White, but it wasn't, and that's good. I think we could come up with some other names, though, if, you, if you'd if you want to. You want to do that? Let's I mean, it's only try. 70-whatever like or 80th time doing it. The tale of the terrible parents. They were so bad. So bad. The oh. tale of the balanced budget. <laughs> the tale of the homeless man. The tale of the diarrhea water. The tale of the sculptor. The tale of Free Willy! <laughs> the tale of Encino Man! <laughs> Alright, that's enough. I'm done. <laughs> this episode. It's all the 90s hit movies in one. Wasn't Encino Man like 1990, though? Yeah, it's early 90s. I mean, it has fucking Pauly Shore in it. Oh, I was gonna say. Can't get more 90s than Pauly Shore. It was 1992. I thought, oh, I was right. Yeah, I thought, um, what's his name? Fucking Tarzan. Or no, George of the Jungle. What's his name? Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I thought Brendan Fraser was in it. And yeah, I was right. it's him, Sean Astin, the peak of his power. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Maybe someday if it comes to Disney Plus, I'll watch it. I, I haven't seen it in like 20 years, but I remember liking it. No, you talk about it all the fucking time, so... Are you ready to find out what we're watching next week, Brandon? Yeah, what is it? All right. Season 7, our episode 3 is The Tale of Highway 13. Okay. Hitchhiking Ghost. Next. <laughs> Probably, right? Who do you think is going to tell the story of Highway 13? Uh, this sounds like a Vange. I think it's going to be an Andy. I could. That was my first thought, but then I thought, no, it's a Vange. It and I hope, be, I hope Amy Jo Johnson plays the Hitchhiking Ghost. <laughs> Why? Did she play a hitchhiking ghost before? She played a ghost. Susie Q, baby. (laughs) I know. I I think she plays a good ghost. Okay, I would watch anything Amy Jo Johnson's in, so... Okay, I gotta gotta not say that, because I'm pretty sure she was in a porn. Um, I love Amy Jo Johnson, and I love Susie Q, so... I hope it's Amy Jo Johnson, too. Alright, well... Highway 13, starring Amy Jo Johnson. Next week. What do you think Highway 13 is going to be about? Just Ghost Hitchhiker? Yeah. No uh, interesting spin on it. Yeah. I think you're probably right. I don't know what else it could be. Unless it just teaches kids the horrors of hitchhiking or something on a highway. I don't know. Hey, that could be very dark also. Let me see if there's anybody I recognize. There's nobody from this episode that I recognize as an actor. Adam McDonald. Is that somebody? Um, Nope. I don't think it is. 
Just a bunch of nobodies. Um, oh no. Well, since I looked at it, you have to know now too. We got fucking Eddie back from the Tale of the Misfortune Cookie. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, right? I didn't want to be reminded of Misfortune Cookie, but yet here we are. I'm not going to be thinking of anything else now. <gasps> Holy shit, Brandon. We got another what? kid back from Are You Afraid of the Dark. Who? This is a this is a a season one character. We got fucking Jake from Jake and the Leprechaun back. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. His name is Benjamin Plenner. <laughs> well, that's a bad name. I'm so excited to see how old and he looks. God, he's gonna be like a he's gonna be like a real person now. He's gonna be like a 25 year old man. He's gonna have like a goatee and stuff, and his mouth is gonna be huge still. <laughs> <laughs> forgot about that i'm so excited <laughs> he rivals <laughs> rivals aerosmith <laughs> he gives him a run for his money honestly <laughs> he could swallow a whole water melon <laughs> <laughs> he could swallow a whole aerosmith <laughs> <laughs> oh i can't wait but we have to <sighs> <sighs> all right brandon well it is 7.28 in the morning. I have to be at work in half an hour, so... Oh, jeez. Okay. I know. I've been up all night, and yet I still have to work all day. So, I'm out of here. I will talk to you next week when we see what Jake from Jake and the Leprechaun's been up to. All right. I can't wait. I will be here. Awesome. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. That would be me. <laughs>